for tonight, I get to, uh, I get to continue our series. Um, and, and I'm excited to do so. There's been a lot of thoughts on my mind and my heart as we have engaged this series in, in, in conversation. I appreciate Lily. Lily, where are you at? Thank you for sharing tonight. Um, really well done. I just want to tell you what a blessing it has been. As a, as a pastor in this community to follow up what we talk about here in conversation that happens in the real world. is why we say we believe in real life in Jesus Christ. That that is what we're about here. And if you're brand new, we will never hide from that. That that is the thing that we are about is real life in Jesus. That we believe salvation and eternal life and fullness in life comes from knowing Jesus and giving our life to him and allowing him to transform us in his image. But we also know there's a very real world that we live in that is hard, that is hard to follow him. So we don't like to over-spiritualize everything, say everything will be fine out there because it, it, it's hard. It's hard when we look out in the world and we see conflict. I know it's hard when we see conflict, even what we're seeing in the Middle East right now, even the last two days and the conflict, it's complicated conflict when there's a group of people that just wants peace. Another group of people that feels like they are not listened to and they, don't, they were looking for justice and they're looking for things to be right for them. We're about engaging the hard things together. We don't have all the answers, but we're also not a community that is afraid to engage some of those hard things. Our conversations about culture, about race, some of those things here in this space. We're excited to enter into them because we're not afraid of, of hard conversations together as we feel like uh, we are trying to listen. We're really trying to listen in this series. And we always are, but we're really trying to listen to what is the spirit of God doing right here in this place and in this community and outside of these walls. And we invite you to keep listening, to keep engaging what God is doing in your life and in this community. And as we get started, I wanna give a big thank you, first of all. I want to give a big thank you to our upperclassmen in this room. If you are a junior or senior, especially in this place, I want, a big, I want you to hear a big thank you from me. There's been a lot of transition, okay? And if you're a senior that has called this place home for four or maybe five years, like myself, there's been a lot of transition. I mean, this, this is finishing up my first year in this job. There was a fantastic director named Ryan Church that came before me, did a really, really good job in this community. And if you're a freshman, you may not know that, but if you're a senior... Okay, there's been a lot of transition, a whole new staff, even as, as we've sought out what do we believe God is doing, that may feel very new and very different. And for some of you, you have wrestled with that. I know you've wrestled with that because we've had conversations about the way that things have looked differently. I know it's been hard. I know it's hard for any of us when change happens in our life, especially a lot of change all at once, we get into a place of identity crisis. Okay, well, I was lucky enough to play football here at University of Washington started in 2001, really long time ago. If you're just like a freshman or sophomore, you don't know what it was like for a long period of time. The dogs have not always been on top like they are right now, okay? Every year has not been like the last two years of your college where all you do is go down and watch, you know, the Huskies win games. And, you know, we're 12 and two at home in the last two years. For all of us that have been at the home games, like, it feels great. It has not always been that way. Okay, maybe you were young or some of us that are older people sat here when we went 0 and 12. It didn't always feel as good as it does now. Well, for me, I hit the exact opposite trajectory as you would want to hit. In fact, I was a senior in high school when we won the Rose Bowl in 2000 and we finished third in the country. And it was incredible. And I said, that's where I want to go. And then the next year we went eight and three and we lost to Texas in the Holiday Bowl. Then we went seven and four, lost to Purdue in the Sun Bowl. Then we went six and six. 
Then my senior year, we went one and 11. That is the only time anyone has ever cheered for that. <laughs> Blessing and curse, right? I mean, let's be real honest. If we were playing like we were now, I never would have set foot on the field. Only on a 1-11 team. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's just real honest. Um, anyways, after two years, one of my coaches got fired. We had a new coach. In four years, uh, I had different position coaches. I had four different position coaches in four years. I know what it's like to have different leadership, the different change that that brings about, the different style, the different way that, that people engage with each, with each other. I know that there's been a lot of change in this community. I just wanna thank you for engaging that, wrestling with hard things, engaging the new things that God is doing. This will always be a place that will engage the new and the old of what God is doing because there's something very consistent that God has always been doing and will always do right here in this place. And there's also something brand new that God is doing here in this place right now. Okay, there's something very consistent that we will be a place that will always be about Jesus. We will always be centered on Jesus that he's the one we will look to for life, that we believe there's no other place. Honestly, in the last time that I get to speak up here this year, I just want you to know there's nowhere else. There's nowhere else that life is found. If this is your first time at the end tonight, or you're not you know, someone that follows Jesus or has ever set foot in a church, this may be like a lot. I'm gonna give you all my thoughts as we close up the year. I probably wouldn't open the year with these thoughts. But in my last time, I just want you to, I don't think there's any other place that life is found. We don't, we don't think that. And we want to be a community that is rooted so deeply in knowing Jesus and pointing to him. That One of the things we believe, we talk about the Holy Spirit in this series, that, that the Spirit okay, came upon people in Acts, and he's doing something here in this community, and he's pointing us to Jesus. Okay, That the Holy Spirit is more than just a feeling of goosebumps or the feeling like, hey, I felt this spirit in the moment. When God becomes, or sorry, when Jesus, when the person of Jesus becomes a big deal, in our life, that's when the Spirit is at work, pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is showing up in big ways because the Spirit is doing something in us and he is transforming us to be more like Jesus. And the fruit of that Spirit is pouring out. Love, joy, peace, patience, these things, love. We wanna be a community that is defined by love. Who are we becoming? I hope we are becoming a community that is more and more defined by our ability to love well. Do we know what it feels like? Do we know what it feels like to be loved, to have somebody go out of their way for us? Somebody to think about us when they didn't need to? Can we be that type of people before just coming into place and saying, hey, I wanna know my place in here? To be a community that is defined by our ability to love each other well and love those that would never set foot in these walls. That's what we'll always be about. It's the old, the consistent that God has been doing and will always do. But I also think there's something new. And that's why we're trying to listen to what the Spirit is doing. For those of you who were here last year in the spring, you heard me use an analogy talking about this great place called Blockbuster. <laughs> Some of us loved Blockbuster, okay? It was great. It was a fun date to go down and get a movie. Talked about it here in Blockbuster and Netflix came. Netflix came to Blockbuster and said, we want you to get on board. We want to sell this thing to you. Blockbuster said, people will never do that. Okay, and, 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 that, and that, that they were so set, so set in the way that they were 
They totally missed this new thing that was happening. Okay, and, and, and for us, I want us to be so rooted in Jesus and so rooted in being a community defined by, by loving, accepting his love and loving others really well. I also want us to be open that there, there's a new thing that's happening that for some of us, maybe the, the way that we interact with him is in a totally different way than normal. For some of us, we may have interacted with him just in this very personal kind of one-on-one way. I know that for me, I grew up in a church in a place where it was about really focused on this kind of one-on-one individual relationship with Jesus. Really didn't understand what it meant that, that, that following Jesus is really a part of a community. What is he doing through a community together that it is almost impossible to have a relationship with Jesus and just do it out on our own? That this, this vertical relationship that we have with him or that we're pursuing with him, for those of us that have that, that interacts all the time with this horizontal relationship that we have with other people and the world around us, that God's mandate to us to fill the earth, subdue it, bring culture, be a part of culture. That this is, these two things cannot be kept on their own. They intersect all the time in our world. So yes, Get up here and we talk about this idea of reconciliation because that is God's biblical mandate to us to be reconcilers, not just to accept a reconciliation to him in this vertical relationship, but that we would actually be people that help to bring reconciliation with others on this earth. That is one of the big reasons why we're here. So we're gonna keep interacting with that as a community as we look at this idea of, of who are we becoming. And so I wanna put that up there, this idea, who are we becoming? We've talked about, okay, now for eight weeks, we would normally not do a series that lasts all 10 weeks together, but, but we believe that we are becoming something together. And I want us to see that more than just an individual. Okay, that as a community, God is doing something here. Sometimes I will say one of my biggest temptations is to think that it is all about me. I don't know if you guys ever feel this way. I might be the only one in this room. I don't know, for some of us, even this idea of who are we becoming together, I'm not just talking about what God is doing in, in you or the way that you have always maybe interacted with God yourself. But where's the community taking us? Because that's what all these, that's everything we see in Acts, okay? Even as the Holy Spirit comes upon, all these times that it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, what it's talking about in Acts, it's always used originally in this term of like coming on y'all. Okay, we need more Southern language in the Bible because what it's really talking about there, what it says is, is this is coming on you as a community, not this is coming on you individually. And in the individual society that we live in, okay, in America in 2018, what you hear all the time is it's all about you. It's all about you on your own. And we fight that tension too because we do believe that God is doing something in you and wants to do something through you. So when we advertise things like say, come be a part of our student leadership team, it is belief, it is our belief that God has given you something, an ability, a talent that is unique to you that we want you to be able to give away and bless others with and bless this community with. But, but we also know that we are not, and we don't have that big of a deal. That's really not about us. But some of us, our faith still is at this place where we are in the center we're looking for God to help us get to where we want to go. And that's the idea I want to wrestle with a little bit tonight. What does it mean for us to move from a place where we are at the center, looking for God to help us get where we want to go, to moving to a place where God is at the center, where Jesus Christ is the center of our faith, and we are looking at what does it mean to give up our life to him? And that it may look different than we think. And a quick little... Uh, 
you know, a quick little thing, a good example if you need one, okay? I love showing office clips, but we're having some tension right now of whether we can show office clips or not. So um, if you watch The Office, if you don't, this is one of my favorite episodes. Phyllis gets married, okay? I'm just gonna explain it since we're not gonna show it. It's so great. Phyllis gets married. I love this. Michael Scott, the world's most person of thinking that it's all about me. Okay, I love this part. He walks the dad down the aisle and the dad, he's, he's in charge of pushing the dad's wheelchair to give away Phyllis. And the dad gets up and he walks and everyone's so excited and clapping. And Michael Scott gets furious because he thinks that the wedding is all about him. And if, you, if you've seen this episode, he drags the wheelchair and takes steps one by one, little by little, making a huge scene. And then it shows this interview with him where he has some profanity words. But then he says, the highlight of the wedding was supposed to be me pushing the wheelchair down the aisle. Now, I don't know. I guess there won't be a highlight of the wedding. <laughs> the epitome of thinking, he takes somebody else's wedding, okay, he's not the main event, turns it into a place that's all about him. The temptation I face to do this all the time is to take what God is doing think that my job is to, to, to help go to God and help me get to where I want to go. If he can do that, I'm in. If he can't, then I'm not so sure. That's what we're going to wrestle with tonight. Is that cool? So we're going to continue the series. Tonight takes us into Acts 9, okay? To give a little recap, there are those uh, that have not been following with us. Acts is this book that happens, okay, after Jesus Christ, 30 AD, your 30 AD, okay, dies, on a cross, pays the price for the sin of the world that we can now be in a right relationship with God, okay, rises from the dead, comes back, spends time with his followers for 40 days, okay, prepares them, tells them the Holy Spirit will come upon you, ascends into heaven, Holy Spirit, 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, comes to this community of people all together where all these people are now, are now gathered together. Okay, Holy Spirit comes upon them uh, in fire and wind and imagery, filling people with the Spirit. People are hearing this in different languages. Okay, they're experiencing God now, the Spirit moving in them in, in, new, in their own culture. Okay, there was 120 people gathered together and numbers grew by 3,000 that we moved from having 120 followers of Jesus to 3,120 followers of Jesus, okay? And now, now God says, now don't just leave the message here. Take it out. Take it out beyond Jerusalem. We're going places, okay? And so they start to move and, and the spirit starts to work in them and Peter and John continue to preach and, and, and uh, they, they give this big sermon and 5,000 more people are added to their number and now they're a group of probably 8,120 people altogether, and then they start to fight tension. There's tension now as the community grows. There's racial tension as one group thinks they're being treated differently than another group because of their ethnicity. Okay, there's, there's tension from within where people aren't putting their full trust in this community and in what God is doing through it. And then there's outside oppression that's coming in. We see Stephen stand up and speak and ends up getting martyred, getting killed for his faith. Okay, we're now facing oppression and the gospel is scattered, but it is not, it's not, it's not squelched. Okay, the, the gospel is, is scattered, but it flourishes because communities start to form everywhere. The gospel now is taken beyond Jerusalem into the nations. The last couple of weeks, we've looked at individual stories where specific people 
or reach with the gospel for the first time as it spreads. And tonight we look at a place that, that is catalytic. It's a catalytic event, okay, in the book of Acts um, that, that now changes um, the dynamic of what the spread of the gospel is going to look like. And so starting in... Um, Acts chapter nine, we're gonna pick up where Emma left off at the end of chapter eight last week and say this, okay? So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, if you read, and we didn't say this up front, but if you read along with us, okay, end of chapter seven, beginning of chapter eight, Stephen is stoned to death for preaching Jesus to a bunch of people that don't wanna hear it. And Saul is mentioned as somebody who was there and signs off on this, gave approval to the death of one of the early followers of Jesus. He went to the high priest, okay? He's a guy that was all about shaming Christians, okay? Pulling them out in the street, okay? Publicly humiliating them, looking to kill and stomp out this movement of Jesus. So it says, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the earth and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Okay, a lot of text there. I know we'll let that sink in for a second. <clears throat> All right, so here's what's going on here, okay? Gigantic conversion of this dude. A lot to think about. If you don't know, Saul later on becomes a guy named Paul, 
Okay, Paul becomes this apostle, this juggernaut of a dude who's just always on a mission to preach Jesus everywhere he goes. Huge, he goes on multiple journeys, okay? He starts multiple churches. It's huge in just the way that the church moves throughout the world and people hear about Jesus for the first time. Ends up writing, uh, starting a number of churches. He starts a number of churches and then he writes letters to those churches, instructing them, encouraging them. He writes letters to leaders that are following him, instructing them, encouraging them. And a lot of those letters become a lot of the last piece of the Bible that we read today because of this guy. And most of the book of Acts, and, and if you, you know, know with 28 books in Acts and we're on chapter nine and we got two weeks left, we're not gonna finish this whole book. I'm not gonna get through everything. I encourage you to keep reading. But this dude, a lot of what's left, you know, in the next 19 chapters is about his missions and and kind of what happens in them. He's a huge guy in the advancement of the gospel. And this is the moment that takes him from being somebody who is persecuting Christians to being someone who is spreading the love of Jesus everywhere he goes. Okay, I don't wanna break down what we call this conversion a little bit more um, and kind of see what does that mean? What's the spirit doing here? What might that even mean for us in Seattle right here in 2018? Okay, so if you look at this, you might be thinking one of the first things that I would think of, which is one, okay, the, the light just shines down on this dude and he says, I am Jesus. And this is really scary. Some of us might be thinking, this is, if this happened today, this would be really scary. I would not be a huge fan. Other of us probably thinking, I would be a huge fan. I actually wish God did speak to me. I have been praying for this type of clarity in my life of what to do. In fact, I'm having a hard time following Jesus and listening to him and here's what is happening. But if I had a light open in, in the skies, shine down on me and, and Jesus' face say, this is Jesus, <laughs> I would do what he said. I, I'm actually jealous of Paul, I'm jealous of a burning bush. I'm jealous of this. This is what I want. This is how I want God to speak to me, okay? We talked week one. There are some things in the Bible that are prescriptive, some that are descriptive, some that just describe what's going on. This is an incredible conversion that changes the, the, the whole dynamic of this guy's life, probably not going to happen the same way for you. Sorry. Maybe. Spirit works, man. Lean into it. Um, probably not gonna happen in the same way. It's gonna look a little different. First thing is, if you're someone that compares yourself to people like this, that's a habit that we gotta get out of. I know for me, I'm always trying to compare my relationship with God with other people's relationship with God. God is speaking uniquely to different people in different ways. Okay, just because somebody around you is, is, is hearing from God, God's doing something in their life, doesn't mean that he doesn't have something for you, doesn't mean that you should be sitting here comparing, thinking that you need to connect with God in that specific way or that he has forgotten you. I like these people in front. Keep pretty, yeah, 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 I like this. I like this. We'll keep rolling. Um, doesn't mean it's gonna look the same way for you. It, you know, my hope is not that we would look at him and go, hey, how can we be just like him? But rather, what is the way that God is working in our life? Because it, it may not look the same, but I, I do believe he's trying to get our attention. And I do believe the spirit is trying to get our attention. We've talked in this series about ways that sometimes we don't see that. We miss it because we don't make ourselves uncomfortable ever. We never allow ourselves to be uncomfortable. And the spirit, if it's a comforter, sometimes we miss that. Some of us, we just have so much volume in our life that as, as, as God is trying to get our attention, but we always have something going. 
Our life is never shut off. There's always something playing. We never allow ourselves just to be alone face to face with Jesus. So we don't hear him because the volume is just always, always up. In our life, we're distracting ourselves with many things around us. And much like was mentioned up here that Swope shared with us earlier in this quarter, for some of us, we just don't allow ourselves to be interruptible. We got this plan. We're on a plan. I just, I got to keep going with the plan. If God, if God wants to help me get to where I'm going, I'm good. But, but I'm just, I'm not, it's hard for me to be interruptible because I, I got places I got to be. There's no margin in my life that even if God did guide me in some way, led me, led me, you know, gave me some sort of an instruction of what to do. I don't have time to listen to that because I need to stay on the road that I'm on. I'm really busy. I don't allow that voice of God in my life, but I do believe that he wants to do something. I believe he wants to do something in your life. I believe he wants to do more than just get your attention. I believe there's an invitation that comes from God to all of us, the same way there's an invitation to, 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 to Saul. I'm gonna call him Saul or Paul. I'll use them interchangeably. I might forget, so same guy. That invitation is that, that life might look totally different for you if you don't just stand on the sideline anymore, but if you actually give your life to me, if you give up control of what you're doing, this is what I believe is our hardest thing. Whatever we want to call it is to give up control of our life. It's so hard. See, that's the hardest thing for me. I've, I've been a Christian a long time. I've been in this job. I've been in this profession for 13 years, talking to college students. And, and I still, we, I struggle all the time with this idea of not wanting to give up control of my life. God invites us into something. Which is more than just checking him out from the sideline. But it's giving him everything we have and saying, look, it's not perfect, but I think you can make something beautiful. I'll just give you everything that I have. It's a hard thing to do. I want to look at three ways that, that I think are big ways for us if we were to look at what does it actually mean? What does it mean to give up control of our life? I want you to think about the things that are very important to you. Number one is your time. Number one is your time. I know it's incredibly important. Okay, what are you doing in your life that says, hey, I want, God, I don't just want you to be uh, somebody in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I mean, even, I, I struggle with this all the time. I was trying to write a message on Sunday night and I get a call from two of my good friends that have been gone a year that moved back in town. Uh, for those that know uh, Becca Reniker um, and, uh, and her husband, Michael, they've been gone for a year. They moved back Sunday night and they go, hey, can you help us move our stuff out of our loading, you know, out of our moving van into our house? We're pulling in at 9 p.m. and we have to get the, you know, trailer back at a certain time. And my first instinct is, oh man, I'm working on this like message right now. I'm really important. I'm sorry, I would love to, but I'm really busy right now. I had a really fast newsflash as uh, my wife and other people are like, what are you talking about? Of course we're going right now. Um, I just, I wrestle with this all the time. They drug me and we ended up helping to move in if you want the end of the story. There you go. Not because I'm such a great person, but because I struggle with this idea of my time is so valuable that it's hard for me to love others well because I think about it. Okay, number two is this idea of money. You know, some of us might not have a lot of money. That's okay. What is the pursuit of money? Does the pursuit of money help us? I know the pursuit of money always helps us be in control. Are we after money so much that we, we need it in order to be in control of our life? 
The third is this idea of, of what is the talent that we have? What are the gifts that God has given us? Are we allowing him to take those and use them for something incredible? Bigger than we could ever dream of. This is what I love, okay, about Paul or, or, or Saul, um, is that all the things that he becomes are taking all the gifts that God has already put in him that he was using for other purposes. Okay, Paul was a guy who was born a Jew, okay, was a Roman citizen, was a Pharisee by conviction, okay, was a Greek, studied Greek, and was incredibly intelligent, very, very well trained to be the purest guy. He was doing everything right under Jewish law. He was a, a, an avid follower of the Jewish law. It's not a conversion in our life between being like, sometimes I think about it as well, I used to be this bad person and now I moved to being a good person. Okay, when Jesus takes over in my life or I used to have all this sin in my life and once he takes over, now I'm sin free. That has not happened to me. It's happened to you, talk to me afterward. I'm excited for you. Um, <laughs> but this place from Paul who, who knew all the right answers, he even in there um, says, Lord, what do you want, Lord? Who are you? He says, who are you, Lord? He refers to him as Lord. He knows he's Lord without him actually being Lord in his life. He knows the right thing to say. This is moving beyond just a moral conversion, but moving from where we just know the right things to say and we think it's about our work to going, no, 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 no. It's not about me. I'm actually giving up control. And now because of that, God uses all these things he's put in Paul to be an incredible writer. And, and, and he uses his intelligence and his drive and his discipline and everything that he put in him. And he does the same thing with us. Takes the gifts and the stuff he's already put in you and says, I'm going to use this now with purpose. I'm going to fill your life with purpose in a whole new way. That's what we get to sign up for. So we get to sign up for when we give control to Jesus. Now I'm going to invite you into something. Okay. And that is a really difficult invitation to die to yourself, to gain life with Jesus. And it's not an easy thing. I want you to know what you're up against if this is something that you're thinking about in your life. Okay, number one, put up that for next text. Okay, I want to go back to a couple texts real quick. Here's the first. This is Ananias, a guy who gets to play a cool role in, in, in Saul's conversion here. And he says this, <clears throat> when, Anna, when God speaks directly to Ananias, he says, I've heard many reports about the man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Essentially what he says is, God, I don't know if you know what you're doing. This is not as good of a plan as you think. It doesn't make sense that I would go near a guy who is probably going to kill me and actually have him become a follower of you. That doesn't make any sense. Here's what happens when we give control of our life to Jesus. It doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people around us. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to me, but there, there are always gonna be people in your life where it doesn't make sense to them. Next text. Okay, um, when Saul is, is blind, God gives him this instruction. He says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
Following Jesus does not mean that there is a whole roadmap laid out in front of you where now you get to know everything that happens the rest of your life. That's really hard. Sometimes it looks a lot like this. Now get up and go. And as you go, you're gonna keep being told what to do. I like the analogy a lot of following Jesus, um, which is, is really to step into his will for our life. We have to step into the very, very little things that we know to be true of following him. And, and life continues to get revealed more and more in front of us. It's a lot like driving a car on a windy road at night. You can't see very far. It's all dark. You can't see very far. Your headlights only shine a little bit in front of you. In order to see what's a mile down the road, we have to drive into the little bit that we do know. What do I know of God today? Where's he lead me today? And I will be told what to do as I continue to step more and more into this. And finally this, okay? This is what happens after this piece for Saul. Um, moving on in Acts 9, 23, it says, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. That when he starts following Jesus, all the people that he was a part of want to kill him. And then this, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. All the people that he was trying to join that were new in his life also did not accept him as he was. This is what we call identity crisis. In the middle here, the people that, that I used to know really well, I used to be a part of now, they don't know who I am. These new people, they don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I fit. I don't know where I belong. We will struggle at times knowing where we belong in this place of identity crisis. So why? So why give it up? Why give up control of our life to Jesus? You know, I asked the same thing before proposing to my wife. Um, love is crazy, y'all. Love is crazy. You know, I know that Drake thinks that you can love people partly. Um, just, you know, so you know, he says something, right? Okay, I'm going to butcher this. Why did I even try? This was a bad road to go down. Only loves me. No, someone sing it. Only loves me partly. He says, love, love me. Only partly. Thank you. Okay, I agree. That was awesome. Okay. I agree with loving the bed and the mama. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Um, only love you partly. Man, it's hard to love somebody partly. Man, it's hard to love something partly because love is a total abandonment. Love is not like, hey, I'm going to choose to love you when I feel like it. When I don't, man, I'm going to love you a little bit, but I'm going to hold other things back. Love is an abandonment to yourself. It's a giving up of control. When you choose to love somebody, you give up control. And if you don't, you're not really loving them because you cannot be in control and also be fully loving. When you love somebody, you're giving them the opportunity to hurt you really, really badly. And if we choose to stay in control, we will never know what it's like to really love. And if we choose to stay in control, we will never know the fullness and richness of giving ourselves to this great life and plan that God has for us.
That is what I want for this community. It is my deepest prayer. If you are here tonight, you are a victim of prayer. We have been praying for you. If you're just on this road, this may feel like a long ways down the road, and that's okay. If this isn't for you tonight, come back. I didn't mean to scare you off. But for some of us that have been sitting here for a long time, still wanting to be in control and not knowing what it's fully like to let a loving God love us incredibly and respond with everything we have, I hope that that is your experience from being a part of this community. Thank you guys for coming out and being a part of this place. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna sing a couple more songs together, worship our God, uh, and, and continue on this night. I love you guys. It's been an honor to serve as a part of this community. Lord Jesus, God, I know I wish that I could hear your voice like Saul gets to hear in this moment. God, I also know that there are guys that were helping him out that didn't have the same experience. Um, God, but what I do know is that you're doing something here in this place. Your spirit is alive and at work and, and filling us with the ability to love people and love you in, in the way that you love us. God, would you give us the courage to respond boldly uh, when we feel and experience the prompting of your spirit in our life? And would you, Jesus, become a bigger deal as we wrestle with making some of these hard decisions that come with spring quarter. Lord, we love you so much. We pray all this in your name. Amen.